Praise the Lord, everybody. Once again, thank you guys for coming and allowing us to share this time of worship with you guys. Tonight I'm going to be coming from uh, Lamentations, the book of Lamentations, chapter number three. And I'm actually coming from the aspect of, of how we are afraid to approach God and really ask him for the things that we want. Lamentations 3, verse number 21. I'm going to read it from the Living Bible Translation. Yet there is one ray of hope. His compassion never ends. It is only the Lord's mercy that have kept us from complete destruction. Great is his faithfulness. His loving kindness begins afresh each day. My soul claims the Lord as my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is wonderfully good to those who wait for him, to those who seek for him. It is good both to hope and to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. And I want to talk from the subject, Lord, have mercy on me. One quotation says, to build life on that which is always changing is to invite constant unrest and disappointment. But to build on the changeless and the eternal is to have peace and confidence. One caller called into a radio station and said this, look at yourself and you'll be depressed. Look at your circumstances and you'll be distressed. Look at the Lord and you'll be blessed. Mahatma Gandhi said this, there is nothing that wastes the body like worry. And one who has any faith in God should be ashamed to worry about anything whatsoever. Now before Jeremiah said this, this I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. Before he said that, he went through a list. Now this is actually verse number 21, but he starts in verse number one of chapter three with a list of really how he's feeling toward God. He's voicing what he's going through. He is expressing himself according to his experience. These are some of the things that he says. He says that the Lord has abandoned me. He said that the Lord has turned against me. I am in the deepest darkness, shutting out all light. Day and night, I'm in agony. And the Lord's hand is heavy upon me. He has made me old and he's broken my bones. He built forts against me and I'm surrounded by anguish and distress. I'm walled in, surrounded, and there's no escape. I'm bound with heavy chains. I cry and I shout, but the Lord doesn't answer. 
this is where we have to get to, to where we can express this. These are things that we are, shame is placed upon us to express this kind of stuff. We know very well that if we went to somebody and said, I just feel like the Lord's just against me, we'd be sharply rebuked. <laughs> I feel like I cry to the Lord and he doesn't answer me. But Jeremiah was God's man and he's expressing this to God. He says, I am built around with high smooth walls and I can't climb out no matter how hard I try. He has filled my paths with detours. I start out on the right foot, but, but all the time I end up finding that I'm lost again. I know where, I have a vision of where God wants him to be. I know what happiness I want. I know what kind of joy I want, but as soon as I start going in that direction, I find myself depressed again, worried again, fearful again, doubtful again. I keep losing my way. Then he says, I fear like the Lord is like a lion and a bear. He's just crouching around the corner waiting to attack me at any moment. And we carry this fear. The Lord's going to get us. The Lord is out. One bishop said that he had to deal so with growing up as a child. One day he had to ask himself, why would a God who the Bible says loved me so much that he descended from on high, wrapped himself in flesh, came down, didn't deserve death, but he died my death for me to be saved. If he went through all of that for me to secure my salvation, why is he waiting for me to commit one little thing so he can send me to hell? So we're programmed with fear in the church. We program our kids. I don't want to serve God from a position of fearfulness, being afraid to go to hell. I want to go because I want to see him. I want to spend eternity with him, not just because I'm afraid to go to hell. We, we miss so much of who God is when we serve him like that. Jeremiah said, I'm filled with bitterness. The cup that I drink from is from the deepest sorrows. Not just sorrow, but a sorrow so deep to where I can't even explain it to you. I have no peace. And then he says, I can't even enjoy life. Some think that as soon as you accept Christ, as soon as you receive Christ, that you have to live in turmoil. But he says there are going to be some joys in life. Jeremiah said, I can't even enjoy them anymore. There's no hope and my strength is turned into water. God has left. Then he says, Lord, would you please take note of my suffering and my bitterness? Take note of it. He says, because I've been through so much hell in the past few years he said, I will never forget this. I will always remember these awful years. Jude, verse number 20 says, But you, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God. It is not God's duty to keep you in his love. 
it is in our nature to always try to keep people in our love. We constantly remind them of how inadequate they are, how they failed us, how short they come up. But God doesn't do that to us. He is always, he set his love out there and he said either you can receive it or you cannot. Then he says, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. You are to look for mercy. I have a question. What happened between verse number 19 or 20 of Lamentations 3 and verse number 21? How did he switch from all of that turmoil and all of a sudden go to hope? What was it that clicked for him to go from point A to point B, totally opposite ends of the spectrum? He said, I recalled to my mind. It was the power of expression to God. Seclusion. God got Jeremiah all by himself, secluded. Matthew 6 and 6 says, But thou, when you pray, enter into your closet, and when you have shut the door, pray to your father, which is in secret, and your father, which sees in secret, will reward you openly. Genesis 3, 32 and 22 we find a man who found himself in this position where he was to enter into his closet. And we talked about it last time, Jacob. It says, and he rose up that night and he took his two wives, he took his two women servants and his 11 sons and passed over the Fort Jabbok. And he took them and sent them over the brook and sent over all that he had and Jacob was left alone. That's the part I want to pick up. Jacob was left alone. He had to get to the place that most of us fear. Most of us have been striving all of our life not to be alone. But when it comes to your deliverance, the thing that God wants to set you free from, you need to get rid of everything. He got rid of everything around him, from his family to his possessions. He was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. Now, if he had never gotten alone, there would never have been a wrestling. Without the wrestling, there would never be the blessing. Petition. We also read last time how Jacob was able to win against God. Because you know, we, we had, there's a song, and somebody even wrote a play about it, Your Arms Are Too Short to Box With God. It's not true. Because the Bible said that Jacob wrestled with God and prevailed. Sometimes you got to struggle with God. And this goes all against whatever we've been taught. The Bible said that Jacob wrestled with God and prevailed. Hosea chapter 12, verse number 2. But the Lord is bringing a lawsuit against Judah. Jacob will be justly punished for his ways. When he was born, he struggled with his brother. When he became a man, he even fought with God. Yes, he wrestled with the angel and what? Prevailed. How did he do it? He wept and pleaded for a blessing from him. He met God there at Bethel face to face. God spoke to him, the Lord, the God of heaven's armies, Jehovah is his name. That's who Jacob wrestled against. 
the Lord Jehovah. Not just an angel. God appeared as an angel and Jacob prevailed against even God. This is why we have these retreats and we place ourselves in a setting to where we can get away, we can let our hair down, so to speak, and come lay out whatever we need to do and lay things before the Lord. Now there was something I took note of that Jeremiah didn't say in Lamentations 3. Out of all that he accused uh, and found himself in certain positions that I'm closed in and God has forsaken me and he's left me and I cry out and he doesn't answer. He never said that God didn't hear him. Not hearing and not answering are two different things. Never get the two confused. Sometimes we, we stop petitioning God for certain things because he hasn't answered. That doesn't mean that he has not heard. Now remember, you have people in the Bible who change God's mind with their petitions. There's a man who lived, God told him, get your house in order. You're getting ready to get out of here. And he prayed to God and God gave him extra years. You have Abraham who bargained with God. But we're taught not to do this kind of behavior with God. We have to realize how intimately connected God wants to be with us. We have to stop viewing God as this being that will just pummel us. He has the ability to cast us into hell, but his main goal is to love us. Hope is a mind thing. He said, this I recall to my mind. The word recall means to return but not necessarily to the very starting point. Some of us need to back up, stop, back up and find out where it went wrong. This is why we are so adamant about us visiting our childhood because who you are was most likely completely formed by the age of five. There's been study after study that have proven this. That's who you are by that age and if that was messed up and for a lot of us it was then we've got to go back he told the church of ephesians in the book of revelations you've left your first love he says remember and go back to where you fell don't just try to pick up the pieces you can't do it you have to go back to where you missed it where you fell out of love with god and then let him heal that and then move on. We don't want to be like in the Garden of Eden. One of the main reasons, it was mercy and grace actually that kicked Adam and Eve out of the garden. Because if they were to get to the tree, they would have lived in sin separated from God. They would have lived forever, but out of communion with God. So there has to be a going back. Christ came to seek and to save that which was lost. He, he did something to where he could go back to the garden and now we have access to the tree of life again. I thought about a scripture. The Bible says that the saints 
And this is another thing. We say, oh, time doesn't, re doesn't reverse for anybody. Once you lost certain things, you can never get it back. But the Bible tells the saints to redeem the time because the days are evil. God has given power to the church to buy back time that the devil destroyed from your life. That means that the healing that you want, that you have made up in your mind is impossible to receive from God because you can't go back. That's a lie from the devil. You can redeem the time because the days are evil. Redeem means to buy back. What kind of God do we serve that, that he gives us the ability to go back and, and he can fix some stuff that we thought we would never be able to revisit? He said a smoking flax he wouldn't quench. If you got just a little bit of flame in your left, he's not going to put that out. He's going to fan it that it might ignite again. This is why we must vocally express ourselves to God like Jeremiah did. Lord, have mercy on me. There was a young man who went to his preacher and he was doing a study for school and he wanted to ask his pastor, what is your favorite portion of scripture or your favorite scripture? And the pastor with no hesitation said, my favorite portion of scripture is the phrase, and it came to pass. And the young man thought all the verses in the Bible, especially those that stand out to us, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him. All of these, these scriptures that we hold on to and, and ta are, are taught as kids and we're brought upon. And he said, that's it, and it came to pass? And he looked at the young man and said, could you imagine if it came to stay? So he took that and it came to pass. Some of us need to look at God and see what he has caused to come to pass. Jeremiah says that his mercies and his compassions are new every single morning. Yet we try to chase the mercies of 10 years ago. We try to go back and get the mercies of last year. Oh, I remember. And it's not one mercy a day. Both of these words, even in the Hebrew form, are both plural. Mercies and compassions. They're new every morning. If they're new every morning, then we must need them. And if they're new every morning, there's a great chance that we already used up yesterday's. <laughs> the object of mercy is misery. That is its primary focus and target. The word in the Hebrew language is chesed, and it describes a variety of human relationships, this word mercy. It's described between husband and wife, next of kin, father and son, host and guest. If you remember the story of, of Rahab, the harlot, and the spies of Israel, she showed them mercy. And it also speaks of friends. If you think of jo Jonathan and David. Mercy is always expressed in action. It's like faith. Faith without works is dead. 
Mercy without action does not exist. The relationship is always reciprocal in mercy. The two sides come and meet each other's needs. The spies promised to protect Rahab and David also pledged to protect the house of Jonathan. Although we cannot meet God's need, he does require us because he's been merciful to us to turn around and be merciful to others. But there is one reciprocation that God does require of us. Psalms 116 and 12 says, What shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits toward me? He says, I will take the cup of salvation and I will call upon the name of the Lord. That word call is audible. We're going to get to the point to where we can actually say, Lord, have mercy on me. I will pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all his people. Then we have new compassions. This word means the womb as a mother, a pregnant woman, and it encircles, it protects that baby. It is separated from the elements by the mother. Tender love or pity. Then he says, we're not consumed. And I thought about the burning bush of Moses. He looked at the burning bush. It burned, it was on fire, but it didn't consume. You had the fire and you had the material. Usually when you put fire with material, the material burns up. But the one thing that must take place in order for something to be consumed is time. And God somehow is able to manipulate time in our lives. This is how we're able to redeem the time. 1 Corinthians 1 and 3 says that God is the father of mercies. That word father means that he is the creator. He is the progenitor of mercy. That means that we don't look for God's mercy in another woman or man. Ephesians 2 and 4 says that God is rich in mercy. He does not run out. Some people's mercy will run out. They'll only be so kind to you for so long. As long as you agree with them. Once you disagree, their mercy might run out. As long as you conform to their ideology, they'll be merciful to you. But, but the moment you, you, you see anything different, their mercy is gone. James 5 and 11 says that God is full of pity. He's full of mercy. All right, we're going to run through some scriptures. These we'll, we'll turn to because I want, I want everybody to read them with me. Matthew 20. We're going to look at mercy and compassion in action. Verse number 29. And as they departed from Jericho, a great multitude followed them. And behold, two blind men sitting by the wayside, when they heard that Jesus passed by, cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of David. And the multitude rebuked them, because they should hold their peace. But they cried the more, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of David. You got to realize that word cried. It really doesn't mean that they said it loudly. But they shouted it to the top of their lungs. It's like when Jesus stood in the last day of the feast and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me. He yelled it to the top of his voice. And Jesus stood still. 
See, the goal of us in our petition is to get Jesus to stand still. We want him to take notice of us. And we sing the song. Do not pass me by. While on others thou art calling. Lord, don't forget me. And, and I don't want to be part of the crowd. He said, he stood still. It's like when the woman touched the hem of his garment. Out of all the people that were touching him, what was it about her touch that actually got his attention and, and automatically withdrew virtue from him? Even the disciples said, Lord, you got to be crazy. What do you mean who touched you? Don't you see all of these people rushing you? No matter how many prayers are going up, could you imagine how many prayers go up with six and a half, almost seven billion people? And we have the audacity to think or to imagine or to fantasize that God could ever hear our single voice. But he can. Your voice matters to God. But he wants to know how diligent will you be to give to him. We always pose the question, will you chase him that hard? Will you seek him that hard? Will you run after him that hard? And Jesus asked him a question, what do you want me to do for you? He's omniscient. But he asks, what do you want me to do for you. Jacob said, Lord, will you bless me? He said, what is your name? You, you don't think God knew Jacob's name? <laughs> what he was trying to get Jacob to do was to petition God for exactly what he needed. Every shortcoming that he had, he wanted Jacob to express that. He wants you to tell him what you lack, what you need. Not what you think you need, because a lot of us really know where the problem lies within us. But we've masked it, and then we, we've changed it into something, and, and, and then it, it starts to change form. But deep down inside, we know. Recall to your mind. So Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes, and immediately their eyes received sight, and they followed them. Luke 17 and 11 says, And it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee, and as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priests, and it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. Then the question comes to mind, what would have happened if they just would have sat there and waited for the change? This particular group were not even changed until they walked away from Jesus. Go show yourself to the priest. Sometimes when you ask God to do something for you, he'll tell you to do something in return. Your healing is based upon your obedience to what he tells you to do, where he tells you to go, who he tells you to deal with, who he tells you to leave, who he tells you to get away from. 
Then we wonder, Lord, I prayed for healing, and you said that you wanted to heal me, but I don't see healing. Why? Because you ain't let that person go. You ain't let that situation go. You have not done what God has told you to do. Matthew 15, 22, And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David, my daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. My daughter is the one with the demon, but I need you to have mercy on me. Why? Because now I have a connection with somebody else. We learned a few years ago when we dealt with Paul and Silas that your praise, your worship is connected to somebody else's victory. This is why we always want to be in the will of God. We don't want to emulate somebody else because in emulating somebody else, God called them to be who they are because he knew who they would be connected to. God calls something different for each one of us because he knows who we're going to be connected to. So now we have a woman who is now interceding for somebody else. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil, but he answered her not a word, and his disciples came and besought. Now, she, now she's like Jeremiah. I'm crying. I know he hurt me, but he didn't answer me. I know, I know he hurt me, but there's no answer. Jacob said, I cried and I shout. God is not offended if you shout. And his disciples came and besought. See, we think that God is like a little kid, that if you, if you do certain things, he's going to tuck tail and, and go with his feelings hurt. He can take your anger. He could take your frustration. There's no sense in saying you're not angry, you're not frustrated, you're not disappointed. You have to say what is in your heart because he knows it's there anyway. Bible says that the word of God is quick and is sharp, sharper than any two-edged sword, and it is dividing of the soul and the spirit. He knows the intent of your heart. He doesn't read your actions. We read your actions. God is looking at the fact. He's not looking at the outside. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, send her away. Isn't it crazy that the most people, <laughs> the religious folk had the most problems with what Jesus did? That's what I say. Sometimes when, when, when the church got the biggest problem and you know God is dealing with you, then sometimes you know you're in the will of God. When the Sadducees and the Pharisees had the problem, know that Jesus, he had, he had hit the nail right on the head. Because he, he was striking right at their religiosity, right at their hypocrisy. She had become a nuisance to them, so they said, send her away. Sometimes if we don't want to deal with folk, we, want, we expect God not to deal with them either. Because they got on your nerves, you don't think they're worthy of the Lord's time. This is why we need God to have mercy on us. But he answered and said, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep and of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshiped him, saying, Lord, help me. He's ignoring me. 
But what I'm going to do is I'm going to worship him all the more. I'm going to press in harder. I'm going to cry harder. I'm going to let the tears roll more because I know that if I ask him long enough, hard enough, I know that he's going to answer me. This is why we have this tendency within us. My daughter asked me for something and she, she puts that face on so, after so long, something in me kind of feels sorry for her. <laughs> Jacob wrestled with God with tears and petition and he prevailed against God. The Bible says that Esau came to God with tears also. What was the difference between Esau's tears and Jacob's tears? God knows, now I started acting at a very young age. One of the first things that my drama teacher started teaching me is how to cry. I could cry, I used to play jokes on my mother all the time. I come in with tears rolling down and, 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 and saying that some, something crazy happened and I, and I got into something and, and she began to panic. I had that tendency. You know some people know how to turn on tears. They're not genuine, it's a pity party. But God knows how to read through that. God knew Esau wasn't, wasn't changing. So we have to, we can't come to God with the falsity. We can't approach God through the mask. He's not going to receive that. You've got to take all that stuff off and open yourself up, not only to God, but to yourself. But he answered and said, it is not meet to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. And she said, truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faithfulness. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Matthew 17 and 15. Lord, have mercy on my son. For he's a lunatic and sore vexed, for oftentimes he falleth into the fire and oft into the water. And I brought him to your disciples, and they could not cure him. Sometimes we take our problems to the wrong people. His disciples had a reputation of casting out demons. They had a reputation of healing folk. They had a reputation of working miracles. This is why people flocked to them. But sometimes when we get to the point to where we think that it's the person, then that's when the miracle, we lose the miracle because we've got our trust and our faith in the wrong thing. Then Jesus answered and said, O faceless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you and how long should I put up with you? Bring the man to me. Bring me the boy. This is what God is saying. How long will I put up with you taking your problems to the wrong people? How long will I put up with you internalizing everything and trying to solve it yourself? How long will I put up with you acting like you're whole when you know you're, you're broken? How long will I put up with you acting like you have victory when you're defeated on a daily basis? Why do we put God through that type of agony? How long does he have to put up with us? And even that is mercy. That after all these years, God is still putting up with me and I'm still faking the funk. I still haven't dumped all of me on him. 
holding back. I'm an Indian giver. I lay it down and I pick it back up. As T.F. Tenney said, Lord, I want you to break me down and tear me up and then put me back together the same way I was. No, there must be change. He says, bring them to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil and he departed. Now it's time for us to let God speak some stuff over us. He has, when he speaks, it's going to be changed. All right, last one. Mark 10 and 46 says, and they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. His hearing was keen. You got to get to a place to where you're looking for God to speak to you. You're expecting God to deal with your misery. And many charged him that he should hold his peace. But he cried the more a great deal. Thou son of David have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. See there's a time where you can get so desperate calling on him. To where he'll in turn, not only will he stand still, but he'll shout back at you. He demanded this man to be brought to him. Whoever this is yelling around here for me, this is a, this is a cry of desperation that I cannot refuse. This is a brokenness that I cannot refuse to heal. And Jesus stood still, commanding them to be called. And they called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort, rise. He calleth thee. And he, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said unto him, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, thy faith has made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. So the question stands, what do you want from God? The thing that you were so ashamed of and afraid to ask him for. I remember as a kid, the, the fear of the answer no would keep me from asking my parents for stuff. My history, the pattern that I've experienced in the past, I would just say, oh, I know that's not going to happen for me. So I would never ask. But God is not like our parents. He is not a man that he should lie or the son of man that he should repent. What he said will come to fruition. And it's irrevocable. Cannot be changed. Once it leaves his mouth, there's nothing that, that anybody can do, including you, that's going to stop it from happening. Because his word stands. What situation are you facing that has you in despair? You need to cry out to God like these people. Lord, have mercy on me. I, I miss so many years the power in these words. Lord, have mercy on me. I have misery that needs to be penetrated by your anointing. Then when you ask him, he's going to say, what do you want? What exactly do you want? They always say it. 
tell the Lord exactly what you want. Sometimes kids have a way of asking for one thing and then they kind of slide something in underneath. We don't have to do that with God. Take your request before him exactly the way you want it. No matter how absurd you think it is, how crazy you think it is, how unattainable you think it is. With God, nothing is impossible. Especially if you're seeking him to better your spirit, God is going to honor that. If you're standing in the gap for somebody else, you can ask God to have mercy on the individual. You have to look for mercy as you cry out to him and then earnestly expect his mercy. That word look means to expect. It doesn't mean to feel after. You know it's there. You know it's coming. Because God promised it in his word. The Bible says it so many times in the Psalms that his mercy endureth forever. Psalm after Psalm. His mercy endureth forever. Why did they keep repeating that? Because we need to know that in, in the life that we live and the trials that we go through and all of the disappointments that we have come across in our lives, we have to know that his mercy endureth forever. And they're new every morning. As I sat last night, I didn't go to bed until 6.30 this morning because I had to work some other stuff out for tomorrow. And I had to try to tie some stuff in. And around five, between 5.30 and 6, I saw the sun come up. And it dawned on me, mercy is coming. As it went from that darkest hour of the night and I sat in my office, and slowly but surely, it just got brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter. And the Lord said, my mercy has just come. As many nights, as a songwriter and producer, I've worked so many nights through the night, saw the sun come up. But last night, New mercy has just arrived. And I couldn't go to sleep after that. <laughs> I knew I had to get up today. But when he spoke that to me, it clicked in my spirit that he's got my back. Because as much as I toiled to get my thought together through the night, as fragmented as my mind was, and I said, there's no way that I'm going to be able to present something that your people can grasp. <laughs> and then it all clicked. New mercy. Just renewed. And a peace came over me. That if you don't faint in the night, Jacob did not faint. He woke up in the middle of the night and woke his family up. He couldn't sleep. He was disturbed. Rachel, Rebecca, get up. All of y'all, get up, get out. You got to go. Servants, you got to go. Take this with you. You got to go. I need to be alone. I, I can't be tied down by anything. I need to know what God has for me. And Jacob wrestled 
till the sun came up. The sun, the Bible said the sun arose on Jacob. And then him and God went their ways. Jacob was forever changed. His mercy had arrived. Let's stand. If we could just say, Lord, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. Because if he doesn't have mercy, you will be consumed. Because Jeremiah said the only thing that is keeping us from losing our minds is the Lord's mercy. Without that, you got nothing. His mercy and his grace. And yet some of us still haven't laid certain things out before the Lord. We are still holding back certain things. It's like a faucet. He wants to give you a flowing river and you want to cap it off to where you can only get this much from me right now, God. But it's still being restricted until we take that tap off and let the water gush out. Let our souls just open up before him. Don't fear him. Love him. And when I say don't fear, I'm not saying don't fear him as in respect, in reverence, because that's what the real fear means, reverence him. But he wants you to love him and receive the love that he has for you. If you're standing in the gap for somebody else, God can honor that request. Let's pray. Father God, in Jesus' name, we come before you tonight. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your anointing that is able to destroy the yoke. Lord, I pray that every struggle, all of us that have been wrestling with your will, wrestling with your purpose, we thank you for divine healing right now by faith. We simply ask, Lord, that you would have mercy on us. The things that we have hidden from you or tried to hide from you, hidden from ourselves. We pray for an honest spirit, an open spirit, that there be no more shame. There is now, therefore now, no condemnation to them that walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Lord, we pray that you would take away the condemnation. Allow us to walk freely in your grace, in your mercy. We thank you for new mercy that you've given us on a daily basis. We thank you for new compassion that you've given us on a daily basis. Lord, we ask you for the ability to release everything that you want us to let go of. Whatever you would have us send over and send across the brook as Jacob did. To get us alone and by ourselves that we might come to the end of ourselves and trust in you. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, stay the hand of the adversary that comes to accuse us. Allow us to embrace the fact that we are your beloved. We are the apple of your eye. We are not worthless. But because we were created in your image, you have set your affection upon us. 
And as you love yourself and as you love the Father, you love us with the same love and the, with the same tenacity and the same capacity. Allow us to receive that, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Have mercy, Lord. Those that stand in the gap for husband, wife, daughter, son, father, mother, brother, sister, in the name of Jesus. Lord, we pray that your anointing would destroy every yoke of bondage, every yoke of dissension. Take notice of the bitterness and the frustration that we've dealt with over the years. Help us to recall to our mind that you are merciful, that you have compassion for us, that you're not out to get us, that you're not out to send us to hell, but that you want to receive us as your sons and daughters. The broken hurts, Lord. Deal with them in the name of Jesus. Enable us to redeem the time that we might go back, that you might reveal where it all went sour. Ah, glory in the name of Jesus. Give us courage to face it. In the name of Jesus. Ah, glory. Mm. Lord, I pray for a powerful release. Ah. In the name of Jesus. Those that have been taken advantage of right now in the name of Jesus. Those that have been abused and neglected. Allow us to redeem the affection that we lost. Ha, glory. In the name of Jesus. Ha, my God. Mm. Have mercy, 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 mercy. Ah, glory. Come on, lay it on the altar. Hallelujah. Mm. Total deliverance. Ah, glory. In your name, Father. Yes, come on, cry out to him. This poor man cried, and the Lord delivered. But he cried. Cry out to the Lord. Mm -hmm. A cry of release. Yes, come on, birth it, birth it. Allow us to endure the labor pains. Press in. Ah, Dokona Masita. 
Yerande Kadobo Sia Dama. I shall not motoko nesi. Ah, glory. Mercy, Jesus. We are accepted of you. Ah, my God. We no longer deal with being accepted. Ah, dokota siba. Ah, my God. Come on, give him your greatest fear. Give him your greatest disappointment. The one that broke your spirit, give it to him. The one that broke your character, give it to him. Come on, don't try to hold it back. Yes, Jesus. Lord, let your mercy resolve my misery. Come on. You have to acknowledge that you're misery, miserable in something. Do it, Jesus. Yes. Years of brokenness. Make it whole. Lord, have mercy. 
Lord have mercy. Lord have mercy. Let your cloud cover this room in the name of Jesus. Your presence we need. Yes, give it to him. Yes. Come on, yes. That's the brokenness he wants. That's the cry he wants. Mm. My God. Glory, 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 glory. So no more to say. 